Coming to you from the middle of the country, a new voice in politics, a show that is breaking away from the two-party system. In the Middle, with your host, Justin Staten. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you made it back for another episode of In the Middle. And this is the first uh, series, our interview series, uh, show that we're going to do here on In the Middle. And I'm I'm super excited to bring it to you. I'm, I'm super excited for the guest that I have today. This is somebody that for a long time, I've, you know, admired from afar. We, we, we worked together. She she had a huge impact on teaching me how to be a flight medic in the Air Force. And and we we built a relationship from there. We've known each other for years. And I think she brings a, a really good perspective to what it's like to kind of be in the middle and live in the middle and not live at the opposite ends of the political spectrum. She has quite the story, quite the career. Uh, she was in the military and the air force as a flight medic and she rose to the top ranks and then decided to in the enlisted side and decided to start all over again and become an officer. So she commissioned and now is, you know, doing the same as a flight nurse. She's worked as an ER nurse. And I'm also proud to say that she is a business partner with me. And so she is a brand new, somewhat brand new entrepreneur and uh, will run circles around me at some point, I'm convinced, in the entrepreneurial circles. Entrepreneurial circles. Um, but anyway, Amanda Hostetter is my guest. I'm extremely excited to have her. And Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. So let me just start by asking, where do you fit on the political spectrum? Like, do you have any leanings? What? How would you classify? And I know it's like part of the reason we're doing this on the show is because it's so taboo to talk <laughs> politics. But I want to show America that we can still do this. We can still talk politics, even if we don't agree on everything. Um, but where would you say you fall in the political spectrum? You know, that's it's kind of tough uh, to answer in some ways. Um, as an early young adult, I felt very, um, I would say, connected with the Republican Party. Um, but it was interesting because I didn't quite fit into their boxes. And so I didn't fit into that community necessarily, uh, even though I would say the majority of my, my personal values sort of align, for the most part, align. And we're talking, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the, the party's changed a little bit. I think the values have, have adapted and might not fully, I don't think that they fully align with my personal values as much today as they did uh, when I first became eligible to vote. Um, so I would say at this point, I, uh, you know, not to cliche as it sound, I would say I fall in the middle. I can find value in both sides. Um, of the political spectrums, I would say I'm soft on both sides, though. Um, kind of a cherry picker, if you will. I've uh, leaned toward third party uh, probably the last two elections because I can't just I, I have a hard time getting behind either side. Hmm. So is it safe to say that you grew up more conservative and then maybe ad adopted some liberal ideologies or principles, if you will? as you became an adult? Yeah, I would say that that's pretty accurate. I definitely grew up in a conservative home and it, you know, rural part of Midwest Ohio as well, uh, with pretty conservative beliefs in this part of the state. 
um, certainly from my family. Um, and as I uh, joined the military and started to experience other opportunities, living in other locations and kind of navigating the world for myself, I found um, that there are certain aspects that I did appreciate um, about the, about liberals um, and their, their kind of their political stance. But um, again, it's like the last 10 years, it's just been hard to identify either side. Just, I feel like it's become just so weird it's just weird i think is kind of where where i'm at with it no i think that's a good weird is i i call it crazy like our options are crazier crazier anymore in politics um so yeah weird is a good way to sum it up now what specifically like you you said you 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 find yourself you kind of found yourself being drawn to the middle and neither side is a good option. Why do you think that is? That's a loaded question. I would say that, you know, for me, I appreciate, I w- you know, I call them old school, kind of the old school foundational beliefs of the conservatives, the Republicans. And um, specifically, what are those old school beliefs? Uh, you know, I, so I grew up in a, in a faith-based home. Um, and so I, you know, you call them the Beatitudes, you can call them whatever. Um, but I believe that there's certain rights that we're all afforded and there's uh, certain behaviors like, um, you know, like abortion, uh, like go down that path. Um, you know, I struggle. That's one of those ones that I would say for a long time I was, I felt very aligned with on the Republican side of the house. And as I became an adult and, you know, like understood more of what the different experiences that people have uh, in terms of how they end up pregnant, you know, sometimes there's a gray area and that's hard to see. Um, So I feel like there, to me, that's where I started part of, that's one of the areas I started seeing myself in the middle on is I could see both sides. I can understand why, you know, Republicans or conservatives think that, you know, it should be illegal and banned. I also can see the, the, you know, the liberal side where they're like, you know, people should have the freedom to do whatever they want. And I just think that there's, I think that there's boundaries that can dictate both of those, those beliefs. There's gotta be a middle to that where, um, you know, behavior isn't just reckless. Um, and that, you know, decisions aren't just made frivolously. And it, when it comes to situations like that, like an abortion, um, <clears throat> homosexuality, um, marriage for, for that community was one of those. I um, said pretty conservative household. It was not something that was uh, supported where I grew up and being um sort of I guess technically falls in that community uh that was one of those ones that impacted me that was like you know I I could appreciate the value of of an old standard but I also think that everybody deserves the right to to be with the person they love so again found myself in the middle ground on you know what that looked like looks like and who should have the opportunity and when and where and all those things so um 
business opportunities, taxes, <laughs> just a number of them that uh, there's, there's good to, to both sides of the party. They just, like you have alluded to in, in your previous episodes, the, the extreme ideology that we've gone to just makes it very hard for people like me who feel like I'm in the middle to really identify with either one. Yeah. And I, I, I guess my problem it, with politics or the politicians or the parties is, you know, I, I, I believe the parties have sworn an oath, the members of the parties and the politicians that are in those parties have sworn an oath and an allegiance to the party first, right? So you can't, you can't break the party line and reach across the aisle and compromise on anything. And it sounds like for you and and for most of us, I think out there, the shift that we found as as we grow up and get older and understand more life experiences is that it's not an abandonment of values to be willing to compromise in the name of freedom, right? Where every American has the right to make their own decisions. Again, not frivolous decisions like like you right. mentioned and talk about. Like we don't want a society of of you know, frivolous decisions and actions. Um, but we also have to protect the right of individuals to live the life that they choose. And so I think there was a couple issues there that that you talked about. And I think we, a lot of us go through that where, you know, it's, we, we struggle with shifting and in, into a compromise mentality because we think in order to do that, we have to give up on our values, maybe the values that we were raised with or adopted at some point uh, through life. And I just, I don't think that's the case. I think you can, you know, preserve your values and compromise so that the vast majority or all Americans can have their fundamental rights and freedoms in intact. Um, and that leads me into like a whole nother topic because, you know, you brought up the, how your values even shifted on homosexuality and all that. And technically on paper, you know, you fit into, you know, the LGBT community. Um, how has that impacted your life and how do you see that movement as a whole today? I know another I, loaded uh, question. Can, can I but... come back to that term weird? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, got so I... it's gotten a little weird on that front. <laughs> you know, the older I get, it just keeps getting. It's just like uh, it's it's almost hard to believe uh, just the transition that's happened in you know my short life. Um, you know, I was super young when. Ellen DeGeneres came out and I had yeah. never heard the word. I had no clue what yeah, it even I remember meant. that no yeah. exposure. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I can't tell you if that was before or after my parents um, you know, found out that I had uh, an, an affliction towards my best friend. Um, you know, to me, I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant. I just, just was some natural natural thing didn't question it had no clue um so it was uh, like i said mentioned it was not accepted in my family it was not accepted in my church when i joined the military we were still under the don't ask don't tell policy so uh, from where i started in life to where 
we're at now is uh, quite a night and day situation or experience. And I think you talked about it this morning or on your, I'm sorry, your previous show about the pendulum swinging. And I really, that to me, I couldn't describe it any better then I feel like that that's what our society has done in regard to that community. We've um, gone from living in the shadows to where like that community felt like they had to live in the shadows and live in fear. And don't get me wrong, they're still part of them. Um, I know the, the trans community still suffers a lot of violence and discrimination in a lot of areas, uh, which is unfortunate. But I would say for the most part, it's gone from everyone kind of living like that within that community to kind of this other end where, um, you know, there's just a level of flamboyancy and really the extreme where we've, you know, got all these different terms and identities and sexualities. I I don't even know how many sexualities there are anymore. I've lost track personally. So it's... It's just weird. Yeah. It's just all. And do you feel like, like, because when I think back, you know, you mentioned when Ellen DeGeneres came out and that was like front page, that was big news. And everybody's like, what? I don't, maybe some people weren't surprised, but I was one of them. And it, it to me, and I'd love to get your take on this. To me, it, it feels like, you know, in that pendulum swing, that those who lived in the shadows and maybe you were a part of that generation and, and didn't feel felt like they were marginalized and they didn't have the same rights. I mean, you know, gay couples couldn't get married back then. You you mentioned don't ask, don't tell in the, in the military. And so there was a definitive marginalization of the gay community. And so many of those people fought for the right to marry who they love and to serve openly and proudly. And I almost, what I'm seeing in this woke ideology with all the pronouns and all the craziness and and some of the things that like, you know, taking, you know, drag queens into schools and, you know, reading, reading time. And it's almost like, it's like crapping on those who fought the fight just to have equality, just to be equal under the eyes of the law and and it's morphed into something completely different and so how do you feel about that like do do you i know you mentioned it's crazy but do you feel like the movement was actually hijacked by extremists because i mean it kind of looks like it to me on some levels I think that in any in any crowd in any given opportunity, you're going to have individuals that do that that exploit the opportunity, exploit the situation. And I would um, I'd venture to say that the majority of us within the community are probably not a part of that yeah. extreme movement. Uh, just like us in the middle, average Americans, just trying to get by and do our best and not be caught up in the the BS of either side of this these political parties, I think that the majority of us, I speaking for myself, I, I don't relate to it. I don't fully understand it. And I think my biggest, I don't have put this up. I don't have children. So like there's, you know, there's situations that I don't have exposure to. I don't know what, how I would feel if I had a child 
exposed to say drag at school without you know say my permission I don't know what it would be like to you know for my kids to be in school and having conversations about their pronouns and who they identify as and what sexuality you know at whatever young crazy age they're doing that with them these days <clears throat> so I can't speak to that but what I guess I don't really understand is um you know, growing up for me, it was like we said, the Pledge of Allegiance. We had, you know, the national anthem, um, not necessarily like prayer in school, but there was opportunity for that. And it was kind of a normal thing. And I, I mean, we talk about that pendulum. And now I feel like they say that, you know, they, they want equal rights and they need to be heard. And whoever they is, you can apply that to a number of different groups of people. But I feel like the the conservative, like faith-based crowd has kind of been pushed out. <laughs> like there's, we're still discriminating. We're just discriminating against the opposite crowd now. So all the people right. that I felt like, or that, you know, maybe came in and like discriminated against those of the LGBTQT community early on, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, I feel like it's almost like a retaliation. Like yeah. if that makes any sense. And so that's what's strange to me is that you know, I, I know what that was like. I know what it was like, you know, to feel unaccepted or almost, you know, that kind of shame-based, fear-driven need to hide away so that people didn't have the opportunity to discriminate uh, or judge me or, you know, I could have lost my job. Right. And so I, I, I know what that's like. And to be on the other side of it now, I just, I could never fathom treating someone in that way so i guess i don't understand why we're on the other side of that now and why we're doing it like why it seems like that exact same thing is happening just to a different to a different group of people right no that's so good like having experienced that that feeling of you know i gotta be in the shadows i'm i'm alone in this and i i don't want to give somebody the opportunity to discriminate you know that visceral feeling inside it's like you why why would you wish that for anyone else you know that's so powerful it's so good to for to hear that perspective it's like it's like being in a relationship and you know uh that there's infidelities or whatever in the relationship like feeling that you would never wish that on anyone else that feeling so you wouldn't go out and do it to somebody do else, it. right? And <laughs> right. it's, it's I, maybe that's boiling it down too simply, and but it's the the feelings are the same, right? That's that that heartache and that man. I just want to feel like I can just be me and live my life. And why would you then want to turn around and force other people to either be what they're not, right, or discriminate against them? in retaliation. It just, it doesn't make sense. And, and in a previous conversation, right. you said something that I thought was so profound. And it was when we were preparing for the show and I was kind of giving you, you know, the, this is how it's going to go and yada, yada, yada. And I, and I, I was asking you like, what are you okay with me saying, you know, you're a part of the gay community, LGBTQ or, and what are you good with me saying? What, you know, words are you cool with? And what did you say to me when I was, because I think it was so profound what you said when I was asking you those questions. 
You know, Justin, for me, my, my goal has always been to, to live outside the label. I just want to live a normal life like anyone else, which whatever normal means these days. I just, I wanted to be able to go to work, you know, do my, my, my duty as a, as a good civilian, as a good partner, as a good daughter, as a good aunt, whatever. Like to me, I just, I'm, I'm no different to me than anybody else that I see along the street. And so that was always, it's always been just who I am and how I live my life is I'm, I'm just your neighbor next door. I'm no different and I need no label to identify me as such. Yeah. That's, that's the reason I thought that statement was profound. And I, I said to you, I was like, we should, we should have been recording. I should have recorded every bit of that <laughs> because I think that's some of the extremism is everybody wants to be labeled. There was a time in America where we shed labels and we were like, Hey, we don't need to be white. We don't need to be black. We don't, we just need to be Americans, but it's like, and I don't know if you see this too, or this is, you know, your perception of things, but I feel like, like people want labels now and they want to be segregated. And it's almost like they feel more unique by separating themselves from everybody else. When really what makes us unique is that we can all get along together. When I, you know, you said we all just want to be Americans. Um, for me, I just think we all, to me, it comes back to, we're all just human. We all just got to get back to that. And I feel like so much of that has been lost, whether it's through technology, whether it's through, you know, the demands of you know, our escalating economy and parents not being able to be home and provide, you know, as much social interaction with their kids or their kids with other kids. Like, I mean, a lot has changed, but I just... I feel like so many people are out of touch with who they are as a human that they, they need labels to identify because they have no clue who they are. Yeah. No clue. Yeah. And what do you, but what do you think? Why do you, you mentioned technology. Do you think some of this is just an erosion of just common values in society or? I, I do. Because I think if you come back to it and, and you ask what somebody their their personal values are, and if they value time with their kids, or if they value their spiritual well being or their mental health, they're going to put boundaries in place that you know will lead them in that direction. And so I think that without having those personal values, whatever values that the you know the country, what the USA are putting on you. Kind of a wash if you don't even have your own. Yeah. Which I think that, you know, you know, probably is why it's so easy. There's so many, I don't say like, you know, sheep, but it's easy to, to misguide people who <laughs> yes. don't have, don't have personal values and don't have personal boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, yes, I couldn't agree more. It is so much easier to be misled and manipulated if you don't have some form of value system um, where you do put up those boundaries. And, but I guess my next question would be is, do you think fundamentally the, the values that we would consider being like American values, primarily 
you know, the the Bill of Rights and our, our fundamental rights, be, to your point, just because we're human, we have these rights. So do you think carrying the label of American is is, you know, a good thing, a bad thing? Is it OK to be proud to be an American? Is it OK to use those as it maybe you don't have your own value system? Is it OK for somebody to just adopt those values? the fundamental innate values. Well, we're talking, we're talking about the initial execution of our fundamental rights or the execution of our fundamental rights today. I think <laughs> the way they were designed to be executed, yeah. right? That all people are created yeah. equally. And because you're human, you have these rights. Government can't give them to you. They can't take them away. They come from the universe, your creator, however you want to look at it. Do you feel like, somebody who maybe is lacking a value system can adopt those and be successful. Yes. I think it's a great starting point. I think that there's a lot there that you can take away from it. Um, not that you'd have to necessarily adopt them exactly, but I think that they certainly are a good guiding light for someone who, who wouldn't necessarily have their own. And I do think that they were well-intended. The, I agree. You've talked about the execution of them. I think we can uh, all agree the execution yeah. is lacking for yeah. hundreds and, of years. Yeah. In so many ways, if you look at just the trauma that we inflicted on the native population, if you look at the trauma, you know, that were inflicted during slavery, um, the trauma inflicted to women, the trauma inflicted to LGBTQ, I mean, it's just been one after another. Um, which I think that's, again, I'm in the middle, right? I, I appreciate, I have been outside of this country and I have seen the way other people live. I've seen the travesties of how other governments work. I value America. I'm proud to be an American. But sometimes I do. I sit and I wonder, I'm like, how, how did we get, how did we do that? Like, how do we... How do we claim to be a free nation after all the BS and terrible things that we did to these multiple groups of people? How do we how do we cover from that and to to be the nation that we are? Uh, I feel like it's almost just like walking, like watching a, a toddler try to learn to walk. Like we started out crawling, you know, running into stuff, not doing well, ended up with a bunch of bruises. And we're walking and we're still falling, but I think it's just, you know, we're such a young nation compared to so many of the greats that we just, we haven't, we haven't hit our stride yet. Um, and I, and I, like you, I'm hopeful that we, we have that potential. We have the things in place to make us great. It's us, it's up to us, up to us. Like you said, it's up to the people to, to live those things and not just, have them as paper or have them as our, as our rights or have them as who we say we are without actually doing those things. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, that was good. So Amanda, I, I also want to get your take on what I call the swamp. And a lot of people refer to it as the swamp. Um, where do you see Washington, D.C. as a whole, you know, Congress, the bureaucracies, uh, the current White House, the 
all the swampy swamp and swampness as i call it like what's your take i mean how do you how do you see that part of our country at the moment i see it as a total crapshoot i don't i don't feel represented <laughs> by any of those people it's it's just uh, them scratching each other's backs being in business with people that are making them money getting people contracts that they their buddy they know or whoever however it's it is not a government for the people and it is not a government by the people that is not how i feel not for the most part i will say i am again like anything there's your outliers there's your your individuals who were excluded from that generalization but as a whole these people that have been sitting in the swamp for 15 20 30 years they're they're serving themselves they're not serving us yeah but well, i couldn't agree more do you do you think are you in favor of like term limits and corporations can't give campaign contributions would you entertain a third party in america what what are your thoughts on that oh absolutely yes to all those think term limits absolutely and i couldn't tell you what the sweet spot would that that would be i couldn't say was that you know what i do i think it's four do i think it's eight i don't we've never done it at least not in my time so um not sure what that would look like i do think that there should be you know again it's interesting to me i feel like there's places in of employment that i've had where you have to agree that you're not gonna you know do deals with outside business and you're not gonna take gifts and you're not you know and i'm like i'm y'all i'm a nurse who am i taking gifts from i don't know what kind of (laughs) what kind of people you think i'm taking care of in here but like if i have to sign stuff like that like if i'm not able you know have those sort of dealings in my area of employment i just don't understand how politicians can be funded by businesses that have agendas yeah again you know i don't know how does that look then how do how do people get money for campaigns i I don't know i don't have the answer for it but i do think that there's a different way that again would lead to people being better represented the only people that are getting represented are the people with money and making the donations correct which is what one percent of our population Uh, roughly yeah i think yeah halves the elitists of us amongst us yeah one percent of the population Mm -hmm. yeah so even if even if you consider you know the top 25 percent of of the wealthiest in this nation the majority are still not being being represented by the people that are appointed to to stand up for them to you know keep in mind what is what's best for them and to to make decisions that you know impact all of us yeah it's just not happening yeah and it's you know they don't even you know self-regulate in the sense that they create the rules the laws the you know legislation that governs them and it's funny how they they legislate in a way where they leave themselves loopholes to have these self dealings and to be able to 
you know, really look out for special interests. And and I agree. I, I think most of the American people are not representative or represented um, unless you have money. And I think that's got to change. You know, we've got an election cycle coming up soon. Being somebody that's in the middle, how are you going to go about deciding who to vote for for the next president uh, president of the United States? I mean, how how are you evaluating that? As simplistic as it sounds, there's a pros and a cons list for each of them. Um, and it really, at the end of the day, whoever has the most pros for me that align with my personal values, I guess I yeah. should should say that. Um, and you and you asked about a third party. I've, I've mentioned that I've you've been drawn to to like engaging more and learning more about the different third parties that have run in the most recent years, just because I just can't, I can't with Republican and the Democrats. I just can't. Um, you know, I think it's, it's so interesting because if you, if you look back you talk a lot about like about the founding fathers and what their, you know, intention was. And I don't remember who said it, but someone poignantly discussed how this was not meant to be a two-party system. It was never yeah. designed for that. This is not where we're supposed to be. And I, I don't know how we ended up there, but I think that if, I think if people had more options, but then it comes back to that opportunity. If you don't have money, it's, you're not, it's hard to represent. It's hard to get other parties there when the majority of the money is supporting an established party already. Yeah. So I think it was, there was a few founding fathers, uh, Thomas Jefferson's specifically was one that was opposed to political parties. And, and then he almost immediately joined one. Um, and, and it's so funny to me because in the history of America and the, in the course of things, there's been numerous political parties established and gone away. The, the two primary ones that have been able, so to me, it's like, it surprises me that this far along, we still don't have the creation of new parties, right? Which I'm almost adamantly opposed to political parties in general, but you almost have to work within the system that exists, right? So a third party almost kind of makes sense to combat the Republican and the Democrat party. But it just surprises me that in the past, political parties came and went. They were created, they served for a while, and then they were disbanded and new ones were created. And now since... Roughly the Civil War, we've had two political parties, and I think they've had the opportunity to create generational control and commitment. And I think that's why it's so hard for a third party to break onto the scene and actually have an impact. Because like you, I've I've seen some of these third party candidates. My my most favorite in history I, when I was a kid was Ross Perot. You know, and he wasn't part of a third party, but he was an independent candidate. Yeah. And Everything he said made sense. He didn't have the backing to do it. Um, so it's like I tell everybody my my PSA, my public service announcement on like every show is stop donating to the Republican yeah. Party. Stop donating to the Democrat Party. 
And my reasoning for that is because that's where they get the fuel to survive. And if we would just simply vote with our dollars and not give them another dime, they would die, right? They would shrivel up and cease to exist. Um, and I think until that happens, establishing a third party is damn near impossible. Yeah. And I, I well, think that's not sad. impossible, but like, like to your point, they, it would, it could come, but it would just go. It wouldn't have the appropriate legs to stand on until you yeah. get down to the foundation of the problem. Yeah. hundred percent. So I don't know, maybe, maybe we can make that happen. Everybody, maybe if you're listening and you stop giving to the parties, we, maybe we can grow some legs on a, a third party and drown out the crazy of the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, uh, real quick, before I want to ask your opinion on something, and, I, and this may be a more of a loaded gun question instead of a loaded question. Uh, what do you think of uh, President Biden spending President's Day in Ukraine this past week? It's interesting. That's that's being again. I don't nice. yet. It's I <laughs> trying to understand the logic of his entire office. I, I, I there's probably things that I'm not aware of, but just the entire parade of support. Again, like I've been out of country. Like I, I know what it's like to be a part of the support. For nations in need been there I get it i don't disagree with it but i why he chose to be there after denying fema to the state of ohio while people here are experiencing their own disaster and catastrophe why that was the priority i don't understand I don't yeah, agree I, with it. I don't understand it. I, I wonder if if that's the optic for for most Americans. I kind of believe it is, and it's I don't know. I I was shocked by the optics. It's almost like, and I said it in my in my show that like it, it's almost like he was trying to be like this noble wartime president, but in a country that he's not the president of. And when we have plenty of issues. And then you mentioned FEMA in Ohio, the East Palestine, you know, disaster, probably one of the worst environmental disasters yeah. in at least a decade. And he's going to Ukraine. It just blows my mind. Not, not concerned so, at all. It, it really, it, that's one of those situations where you're just like, what, what would it take to get the, like what, I mean, Again, I just it'd be it'd be nice to know what the rationale was like. Why is why is FEMA not approved? Why are resources not being allocated? Why do they not seem concerned when it's I mean it's it's an obvious it's just all of the people that have are in that area and all of the outcomes like the the illnesses and the animals dying and it's like how do you turn a blind eye to that 
like wear a mask during COVID. Yeah, I because, saw, I saw... <laughs> no, because you're gonna get you're gonna get COVID by breathing in this COVID air. But guys, it's safe. All of these chemicals, like I know animals are dying, but don't worry, you're fine. Just drink your Nothing water. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see. Just send us your money and shut up. Yeah. yeah Nothing to see I here. Don't, yeah. So I don't get it. it. It makes it makes no sense to me. But I almost wonder if if Ohio was funneling money to the Biden family, if if we would have got a visit. And I, I'm not saying you got to answer that question. That's just Justin thinking here. Yeah, I don't. I would say we probably didn't send him enough. Yeah, he didn't. Well, you know, Ohio went for Trump, so right, why are you right. Show up, you know. Just let Ohio him. Didn't yeah. Go for you. yeah. This is just natural. This is just uh, what is survival of the fittest, right? Right. Well, <laughs> you know that's a that's a banned scientific term now, right? In the yeah, in the world crowd, yeah. so can't yeah. say that. And females are now egg producers. Egg producers. Scientifically. Yeah. yeah. What if they? What if they have them removed? What if they have had surgery and they no longer produce eggs? Are they That's still a good egg question. producers? I don't know. Like, what would what would you be then if if you're whittled down to nothing more than an egg producer and have like I don't know a hysterectomy and they take out yeah. your freeze and yeah and you don't produce Just, it? What happens when you go into menopause and yeah, you're no longer producing yeah. eggs? Do you cease to exist as a human specimen? The it's egg just, producing type. How 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 can they say in one breath to follow science and then the same exact breath come up with ideology and terminology that defy science? Well, it's because the new science is political ideology. It's wokeism. There actually is no science to it, right? It's and it's degrading. You know, yeah. at, at best, it's degrading. Uh, but there's no science to it. Um, it's it's I think what's happened is, you know, the 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 woke ideology and I think we're going to start seeing more of this. But I think the woke ideology was a tool by politicians and political parties, more specifically on the far left to accomplish political goals. Right. And to be able to subjugate people and divide people uh, and. And I think when it's done serving its purpose for political reasons, it will cease to exist. Wokeism will be a fad that was here today, gone tomorrow. I genuinely believe that. And I'm just worried about all the ramifications along the way, like changing scientific terms to terms that are clearly not well thought out. I mean, you and I just here in five seconds said, well, what happens if you're not producing eggs anymore? You know, it, right. clearly they didn't think that one through. Um, so, you know, it has nothing to do with science and everything to do with politics, which, you know, part partly why the show exists is to eradicate those those uh, extreme beliefs and ideologies. You said that you think that it's serving a purpose, a political purpose. I do. What is your speculation on what that purpose is? Control, right? It's easier to subjugate and control a population if you can find ways to divide them amongst values, kind of like what we talked about earlier and why I asked you the value question. And I think you were spot on. If if you don't have individual values or an individual value system of some kind, you're easier to manipulate. You're e It's easier to be 
controlled and to blindly adopt values that make you feel virtuous, right? Like, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing something good. You know, I said on a previous episode that, you know, I have problems with both political parties and, you know, I have a problem with the extreme left more so because I think liberals in our country are some of the biggest hearted, uh, more emotional types of people in our country. And we already know through like emotional intelligence studies and everything that the more emotional somebody is, it's easier to manipulate them and, and manipulate their feelings and emotions. And that's wrong. Right. And, and I see that happening. So I think wokeism was brought into the mainstream as a tool to divide and manipulate along emotional lines. And when you can do that, you can gain control. And once control is gained, well, you know, you no longer need the tool and, and wokeism will shift from a tool to gain control and it will disappear. So instead of hearing about, you know, oh, defund the police, which was a woke ideology, uh, anti-masculinity or toxic masculinity and all these terms and all the pronoun stuff, it, that will all disappear and, and it will go from those being the key optic words to more control words, right? No, let's fund the police. We need more riot police because now we're in control. We don't want chaos anymore, right? The wokeism served its purpose, helped us get control. Now we've got to keep control. So wokeism will turn into statism. And you're going to hear now the far left liberals and, and probably Republicans, rhinos, all of the above, talking more about how important the state is, right? The government is mm. and listening to the government. And you're going to start hearing more terminology along those lines. And that's scary. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's just one theory. Um, I could be wrong. God, I pray every day I'm wrong, but something tells me I might be right. So now that you're the interviewer, did that did that answer your question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and that's what I'm used to. For those of you listening, like for a long time, Amanda was my superior and was literally like my instructor and taught me yeah. how to be a, a flight medic. And so normally she was the one asking all the questions. Now the roles are reversed. Super reversed. Do so you feel like you're on the hot seat? I do. This yeah. is my first uh, first time talking on a podcast, so thank you for the opportunity. This has been yeah, of course. really fun getting to chat with you. It's like our everyday chats, but... I know. And for the record, Amanda and I do chat a lot because we run a business <laughs> together also. But, uh, but I just really appreciate your perspective. And we've had some of these kind of side-off conversations, and not that I try to prepackage the show, but I just think... You know, when I listen to you talk and and kind of share your story and your perspective, it's it's always kind of broadened my experience, if you will, by just kind of living through yours. And you know, you've always been somebody I've admired and and looked up to, and and uh, so I think sharing this is just valuable. You know, there may be people out there right now listening that still feel marginalized and ain't, they they don't know how to find their way. And, you know, I hope that something that you said uh, impacts them and, and helps guide them on, on their path to, to figuring out um, that they have all the same opportunities now. And, and folks like mm -hmm. you and your generation, you know, fought 
fought for that and led the way, right? Like you guys definitely led, you were the tip of the spear, if you will, in, in that area. So tip, hopefully it's tip of a bloody spear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No joke. And, yeah. and that's the other thing that I think gets under my skin a little bit is, is the new generation has no idea what it was like. You know, you remember a time in yeah. the military where if you said that you were dating a woman, you were done. Administra well, I, I, administratively discharged out the door. I knew people. I have multiple friends that over the years were separated for that very purpose. Yeah. And so it kind of chaps my ass a little bit when I hear the new generation saying they don't have it good enough. And it's like, well, yeah, well, let me tell yeah, you a story you know, about when we were coming up, we were hearing that from our, you know, our parents and our great grandparents or our grandparents about the depression. So right. <laughs> women's suffrage. So, you know, every generation is going to have their battles that they don't have to fight because someone did them for them. Um, but just, I think for me, just being able to have the open conversations and I just wish people were more curious about that time, I guess, like understood and not again that's I, mean, I just think our not just the lgbt community but like our history in general is poorly represented yeah. um many of the ma minorities or the people who've had to fight any sort of through any sort of movement um not represented well and there's not a a good full understanding and again it's just one of those things we both know I mean, unless you were there it's hard. Right. It's hard to appreciate or understand what that moment or what those experiences were like. It's not something you can teach somebody entirely. But I think it is important to for me it's been really interesting to see the ripple effects in my own personal life. And and having to really do I have one of my greatest values is to, to be a good human being. That is like one of, seems yeah. simple, but that is my greatest value. That is my greatest goal. And to me, like what success looks like is at the end of the day, can I answer the question? Like, was I a good human being today? Like, did I treat people well? Did I treat myself well? And did I live to my standard, right? To my values. And it it's taken me, because of my experiences and the way I grew up, you know, it took me a long time into adulthood to figure out how to navigate those, how to, to set my own values and not base them off what everybody set for, for me and to, to learn to step out of the shadows and into my own fullness, if that's a good word to use for it. And I think that there's a lot of, other people out there who feel who may not have had that opportunity yet and they do still feel right. lost they still feel like even though it's safe to come out of the shadows they might be out of the shadow but they've not ever processed or dealt with or, or understood what the shadow did to them and that's not again that's for anybody for any reason whether that's i don't care what community you come from if you've been in if you've been in an abusive relationship, it felt like you lived in a shadow. Like 
we all have things to learn from that. And I think the more we can relate to each other through those experiences and those shared, shared shadows, if you will, um, it's easier to start finding and understanding your own value and your own value system. And I think at the end of the day, that's, to me, I think that until, until we, as individuals and as Americans, get back to, to placing emphasis and importance on our personal value systems. I don't know how much change we'll see. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And uh, hopefully that's one of the biggest takeaways from, from this interview is guys find your value system and live by it and make sure whatever value system you choose to adopt, just, know that it's good as long as it's not infringing on anyone else's value systems. Um, we got to leave it there though. Uh, unfortunately, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and I, I hope you'll come back on again and we can do this again and have this conversation. But before we go, Amanda, if somebody heard this and wanted to reach out to you or connect with you on social or whatever, where can they find you? You on Facebook, Instagram, like what's your handle? How How could they reach out? Yeah, my I'm on both on Facebook, Amanda Hostetter, and then on Instagram, my handle is L I L H O S S one three because I still am in high school. <laughs> Lil, <laughs> Lil Hoss. Hoss thirteen. Yep, Lil Hoss thirteen, and so those are both ways you can find me. Yeah, absolutely, feel free reach out if you ever if anybody has any questions about my story or just kind of the experience that I've had. I'm, more than happy to to chat with people. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. So you guys, you can find Amanda at Facebook at Amanda Hostetter or over on Instagram at Lil Hoss 13. Uh, still in high school. I love it. Uh, but anyway, guys, I got to leave it there because I got to run. I got to get to work. And I really appreciate you tuning in for another episode of In the Middle. Like always, if you're listening to this, leave a comment, leave a review, uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and it will help other people find the show and it would mean the world to me. I will be back with you again tomorrow, tomorrow morning and I, I can't wait until then. So until then, have a great American day. Take care.